Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, one of those Thursdays, a lot of conversations, controversy following uh, the Longhorn loss at the Moody Center last night as far as the Horns down. Rodney Terry not pleased with uh, Central Florida players celebrating in that nature with the Horns down, but uh, Longhorn fans wish you a little more disappointed with his own team for a collapse in the last 10 minutes of the basketball game last night. We'll talk about it. Also, Cowboy fans uh, waking up disappointed this morning upon the news that Mike McCarthy will be returning to the Cowboys for a fifth season. We'll uh, read from Jerry Jones' statement. We'll say it's pretty lame for Jerry Jones to uh, run to any camera and microphone he can, including two different radio conversations weekly on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and then after what we saw on Saturday or Sunday, to put out a statement not answer some questions about it that's uh well because he he actually has no answers i know i know no I, I know why he, it is he knows he's gonna be he's gonna be stumped with them questions and somebody's coming up with some haymakers for him and no, Jerry's, i get it i know and, i know i know the reason yeah. i was gonna say i think it's lame and that's no fancy one-liner or a little you know a little uh some some random quote he can throw out there you know i i just think he'd be held feet to the fire well, by I the think, media i think steven and the others would say dad this isn't a good idea because you ramble as is. Can we just prepare a statement, put it out, we get to, we get to craft it as we want to. Yeah. We don't have you ad-libbing <laughs> and going off the cuff. Uh, you're not very good at that uh, these days. I mean, he'll, he'll always expand it from where we want it to be to bring in new conversations, lead to new questions. And you're right, I understand why he's doing it. It's probably the smart PR way to do it. But at the same time, you know, this is a guy that loves being in front of the camera, loves oh, doing yeah. radio interviews, mm-hmm. wants to talk about his team. But yeah. you know, when the going gets tough – Wants to drop them one-liners out there that go viral. You know, yeah, yeah. I won't be some glory hole. Or, yeah. No, I mean, he does. Circumcising the mosquito. The, the contract they have with the flagship station there, 105.3 The Fan, he does two different radio hits per week. Steven does one. Mike McCarthy does one. None of them are doing one this week. And none of them are required. I did read the tweet 105.3 put out there that the, the contract does end after yeah. the season officially ends. Like, they are not required by contract, but – in the past, They've done they have come on to do, uh, you know, basically a a last of the last interview of the season kind of thing on the fan. So they chose not to do it, and I think the reason that you just listed is probably uh, accurate that they don't want to really, you know, when the fit hits the shan, uh, they don't want to deal with that, the blowback of it. Well, and I would say that's the word lame. This is the time when your fans want to hear from you the most. You know, after all these blowout wins during the year and another division title, okay, great. Uh, but when this is going on and it's a crisis and what are we doing, then you're not talking. Uh, you know, that, you can understand fans going, wait a second, you, you can't wait to talk on Tuesdays after a big win and now we have an embarrassing loss and you're, you're, you're going quiet. I get both sides of it. I understand. I and by if, way, I, if I work in PR and if I were the marketing team or the uh, PR team, I'd be like, Jerry, no. Yeah. No, you're not it's doing It's like that. a lawyer telling his client, don't take the stand. No, man, no, you no. can't take the stand. You, you, you you're going to sound guilty. Up there, you're gonna look guilty and you're gonna sound guilty. Same thing with Jerry Jones, he's gonna look bad up there. He's gonna look bad because he's an emotional guy and kind of like Ty, our producer, he'll just he just will say things that are just emotional. Well, and some that, exactly. that, that won't bode well for Mike McCarthy. Exactly. And sometimes <laughs> Jerry Jones will give you the truth, his truth, he'll yes. give you his truth, and that also isn't good either about what he really thinks. And I think what and because they're gonna ask him why he's a lame duck coach, he was like, Well, if you're bringing him back, why is he lame duck? If you're gonna bring him back, and you got faith in him. Then sign him to an extension. Yeah, give him a new contract. Give him a new contract. But if you don't have faith in him, and that's why he's lame duck, then why is he still here when you got the best pool of coaching candidates probably we've had in the last, what, 30 years in the NFL? 
with Harbaugh and Belichick out there and Vrabel the out there. And, you know, you still go, that's still not even the fast risers up in conference like your Ben Johnsons and your Mike McDonald. You got a lot of options. Hell, I even think if they fired Mike McCarthy, he'd get picked up pretty quickly. Somebody would hire Mike McCarthy pretty quickly. I know y'all long Cowboys fans don't really believe that, but Mike McCarthy would get hired by somebody because he's proven he's, he's, a, he's a head coach in the NFL that can get you to the playoffs. Unless he wants to go back to the barn outside Green Bay and watch football. You know what I'm saying? Where he didn't actually watch football. Remember, remember, remember <laughs> yeah, he, he, he lied about that. Where, he I don't know what that. he was doing because he, he said he watched every play of the Cowboys. He did watch every play of the Cowboys. Yeah. But I will say this about Jerry Jones. Yeah, guys. there will be a team that would say, maybe the, yes. pan, the Panthers will Thank get desperate you. and say, man. And you can sell out to your fans. This guy's won 36 games over the oh, last yeah. three years. We need Bryce Young to have a you quarterback guru. Yeah, I, I can, you can easily sell that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say this. I don't know if at this time there was a better course of action for Jerry Jones when you consider what what you're going to do about Dak Prescott. Like, I think that ultimately is what well, drove together. this decision. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, they're I mean, linked. And, they're and, linked now because he, he played his best season ever, and Mike, that was wild, and I don't think it was a coincidence, while Mike McCarthy was calling the plays, and they designed the offense together. Yeah, and, you know, Dan Quinn's future in doubt, too. We'll see where this goes. And uh, oh, yeah. So there's just a lot – yeah, I, I, again, the course of action is – Go go to the PR thing and the uh, court of public opinion. This what we're we're talking about is the last thing Cowboy fans wanted to hear after Sunday night is that Dak and and Mike McCarthy are all both coming back. We like our guys because that, we like our guys. They're done with it. They're done with it. This thing's been building, and uh, now I mean, to, I mean, to, for for Mike McCarthy to lose to the team that he left, right? That fired him <laughs> a few years ago. Oh. That he won a Super Bowl with. Mm. Um, yeah, that ain't good. We, we, and and they're in the middle of a rebuild. I mean, yeah. they, they've moved on from Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, the argument for hiring Mike McCarthy was, well, he, he, he developed Aaron Rodgers into a Super Bowl quarterback and yeah. um, won a Super Bowl. That's what we want you to do with Dak. Well, now you're not even losing to Aaron Rodgers. You're losing to Jordan Love. I mean, if you think of the how, how – I mean, just brutal that is for the Cowboys organization to lose to the Packers. I mean, the Packers have been the problem for the Cowboys all the way back to the Tony Romo days, right? The loss in yeah. Green Bay with mm-hmm. the Des Bryant catch or no catch. Oh, I mean, yeah. all the losses to Aaron Rodgers. Um, this was supposed to be the year that you got up over, and you couldn't even beat the Packers who were rebuilding. Youngest roster in the league. Uh, but it's it's a, it's, a, it's a low time. So the fans in the Court of Public Opinion is, okay, we're done. This is You can't sell this to me. But this is the only thing they can really sell at this point because of the way they've designed the franchise. This is – guys, and, it, and I, like I said, I, I understand what uh, Jerry's doing. I, I don't think Jerry anticipated losing in the wild card round, so there wasn't a plan of action uh, that he had come up with uh, going forward. And I do believe Dak Prescott's performance and not you know the uncertainty – of what you would do if Mike McCarthy, if you kind of pulled the rug from underneath Dak and got rid of Mike McCarthy, then you'd be changing his offensive coordinator well, in back-to-back years. Because remember, you had to kill in more to Mike McCarthy, then you want Mike McCarthy to somebody else. I think ultimately knowing they had to pay Dak and they got to get the best out of Dak. And, that's, and, and, and a lot of organizations are built this way, guys. Built quarter, it, It's quarterback-centric. Yep. And because you want to get the best out of your quarterback, that's how you, uh, you know, could get the get the most uh, value out of your salary cap. That's how you, you know, lift the play of everybody around them. And the Cowboys were doing that when Dak was playing all pro football because he's a second team all pro. You just got to find a way to get the get that Dak, that big Dak energy in the playoffs because well, you haven't seen it in the playoffs consistently. And at this point in his career, where he's the most tenured quarterback in. In the NFC, yeah, in the NFC, 
Yeah, might be. I mean, he's one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the NFL. Period. He, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be playing um, at that level um, on that stage. Yeah, he uh, can't play that bad. I mean, that's really Period. the end of the day. He can't play yeah. that bad, and that's to me. People will praise Dak for the regular season, and that's fair. But uh, the fact that they gave him this look at this, Ron. I'm looking at SportsTrack.com right now. Dak Prescott in this coming season is a fifty-nine point four five five million dollar cap hit. Fifty-nine. Yeah, you that's twenty-three and a half percent of your entire salary cap for Dak Prescott. This was the balloon year, so yes. So not only you can't have that, I mean, no. you can't function with one player making sixty million dollars, sixty percent of your sixty million uh, being a cap hit of sixty million. So you have to restructure. It means you're locking yourself him him to him longer which is almost why you have to bring McCarthy back. Yeah, because you got to get the most out of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's such a big yeah. investment. you got to get the most out you of that investment. you in here based on quarterback. Yeah. Uh, all right, so there's uh, the general Cowboys conversations. We'll read from Jerry Jones' full statement because he, he did say, you know, we're all accountable for this. It's not just Mike. It's mm-hmm. not just Dak. It's all of us. We take the accountability. But in the end of the day, Cowboy fans just want to see wins. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics, including another disappointing outcome, and that was uh, the, the Longhorn basketball team last night. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonico and bring it to you. Yeah, college basketball, um, beyond disappointing home loss for the Longhorns last night, their second consecutive home loss to start conference play. Texas welcomed Big 12, new, Big 12 newcomer Central Florida to Moody Center last night. Both teams were looking to even their conference market 2-2, two and two, and the Horns came out looking good on fire. Opened the game on a 22-6 run. They were up by 12 at the half, remained up by as many as 13 with um, – 12 minutes to go. That's when the wheels came off for the Longhorns as the Knights ratcheted up their defensive intensity, went on a 17-3 run that was fueled by six Texas turnovers, four shot selection as well. Knights ultimately outscored the Longhorns 45-27 in the second half, finished the game on a 24-9 run, and held Texas to four made shots in the last 12 minutes. They were all three-point range, uh, three-pointers. They win the game 77-73 here in Austin. Rodney Terry's Longhorns tumbled 0-2 at home, 1-3 overall in Big 12 play. Their next six games are against Big 12 teams that are ranked in the top 25 currently starting with ninth ranked Baylor this Saturday at 11 a.m. at Moody Center. Also in the Big 12 last night, fifth ranked Houston gave Texas Tech their first Big 12 loss. They had been 3-0. Red Raiders lose in Houston 77-54 and in Norman, 15th ranked Oklahoma rolled past West Virginia 77-63. A couple of developing stories from college football. 24-7 sports reporting now that South Alabama is expected to promote offensive coordinator Major Applewhite to fill his vacant head coaching position. Applewhite served under former coach, uh, head coach Kane Womack for the past three seasons. Womack left to become Alabama's defensive coordinator under Kalen DeBoer. The number four rated player in the NCAA transfer portal is in Austin right now visiting the Longhorns. Uh, of course, uh, Washington Huskies transfer quarterback Jabbar Muhammad is that player. He's here in the ATX, originally from DeSoto. The 5'10", 183-pounder began his career at Oklahoma State, transferred to Washington, where he emerged as one of the nation's best cover corners. 46 tackles, three picks, two sacks, a fumble recovery for the Huskies this year on their way to that national championship game. We'll keep you posted. Big trade consummated in the NBA yesterday. Indiana Pacers have acquired Raptors forward Pascal Siakam as part of a three-team deal that also includes New Orleans. 29-year-old averaging over 22 points a game in Toronto through 39 games. He now joins the all-star guard Tyrese Halliburton and the league's highest scoring offense. Rough night on the uh, floor for the Texas trio. Spurs got rolled in Boston. Mavericks went to L.A. and got rolled by the Lakers in Houston. No contest in New York. They got rolled by the Knicks. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. And the reason I understand uh, Mike McCarthy being lame ducked (laughs) 
for this fifth year uh, that he's with the Cowboys. Because I've explained to you guys, NFL GMs know that there is a five-year window. Even Jerry Jones knows there's a five-year window. If your head coach and quarterback don't win a Super Bowl within the, the five years they're together, I'm not saying you should just blow it up because that's considered irresponsible. But there is no head coach-quarterback combo that has won their first Super Bowl together outside of the five-year window. It just don't happen. It's just you. It usually within that first five years, you'll know if that head coach and that quarterback together, if they got the the secret formula, the secret sauce, all right, to compete at the highest level. Because essentially, as a GM, you're playing matchmaker. You're playing matchmaker. You're matching up a quarterback and a head coach because those are going to be the two biggest foundational pieces. This going to be the face of your franchise and the brain of your franchise, <laughs> right? And the guy that sets the culture for your franchise, both of those. Once the culture bearer for your franchise, once the guy that sets the culture for your franchise, all those things, hires the other coaches. So the, the head coach is pretty much going to determine your brand of football. And then your quarterback is going to be the field general that carries out the you know carries out the execution of that game plan and that style of play and that brand of football in right now for for the for the cowboys that's what uh, jerry jones has chosen right mike mccarthy and dak prescott and you can't say that he didn't bring out the best in dak this season which he did it's the best season dak's ever had we were talking about him in the mvp conversation so i guess the argument for jerry jones would be Hey, man, we saw the progress. I The fifth-year window, I'll leave him as a lame-duck coach because outside of this fifth year, I know no, no duo in NFL history, head coach and quarterback, have been able to win their first Super Bowl outside of that. But once we're outside this window, I think that's why he's lame-ducked and they're going to blow it up. Or it just gives him a, t- a time period to come up with a game plan and to come up with a strategy moving forward about what he's going to do about Dak Prescott, if Mike McCarthy can't get the job done. Well, I mean, it's uh, it, I know I know people hate when I make it make Dak Prescott the centerpiece of it, but it, to me, it starts in, in the NFL. Your quarterback, you, this, this quarterback, this quarterback is not going to win you games in the postseason. He's not. He's not. There's no, there's no Patrick Mahomes in here. There's no C.J. Stroud here. Aaron Rodgers. Those are guys who can win you playoff games, right? Yeah. They Josh Allen will single-handedly win you a playoff game. Now he'll make mistakes too. But that's the frustrating part of Dak. He will—he's the perfect face of a franchise. He says the right things. He's a great teammate. He's a great—he's a hard worker. He's a leader. And yeah, with Mike McCarthy's tutelage, he's had his—he had his best season as a regular season quarterback. But we have enough sample size now, Rod, to know he doesn't play his best in the biggest of moments. No, he doesn't elevate his play when it's time. Uh, he plays small in the biggest games and against the best teams. So that's what you're building around. I mean, it's the NFL, y'all. I mean, you can say, you know, don't be mean to Dak or whatever, but this is the point. You're building around a flawed quarterback. Who's if, if your goal is to win championships, you're starting from a premise that this guy's not a championship quarterback. You, everything else around him has to be so good that it almost has to carry him to a championship. That's that defies the NFL logic, Rod. And he's the guy that's about to make you know 59 million under your salary cap next year, or at least be a cap hit of that number. That's a problem. So everything else kind of stems from that root of, oh, man, we've invested in a quarterback who's not a championship quarterback. We just, I mean, we've invested in Alex Smith. We've invested in Kirk Cousins. We've invested in a really good regular season quarterback who, when we need him to rise up and make huge plays and not throw interceptions, year after year he does, and it puts us out of the playoffs. It puts us out of the playoffs. And that's, I mean, again, this is not about regular season. It's about January and proceeding through the playoffs 
That's what that's the that's the risk of investing elite money dollars in a quarterback who's not elite. Yeah, but you're handcuffed when you drafted the fewest quarterbacks oh, yeah. in the 100%. NFL uh, in the last 25 years or so. You drafted the fewest quarterbacks, and when that happens, you have to depend on these happy accidents, right, um, to become the face of your franchise. And I'm, I'm a Romo-sexual, Romo so I love me some Tony Romo, and I think Dak's a good quarterback, uh, but you're right, the opportunity to upgrade, all right, is you know basically the Cowboys have missed out on those opportunities because they haven't drafted quarterbacks. They, that's a bad organizational habit by them throughout decades um, where they don't draft quarterbacks. And lately they've acquired more with Trey Lance. That's good. Um, but you look, you talk about those other quarterbacks. Hey, Alex Smith, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the 49ers upgraded. They while both, they had those quarterbacks. While, while, they had, while they had Alex Smith winning playoff games, they're like, no, nah, well, yeah. I think I got an upgrade here. I want, a, here. I want a guy that I think can give us as a as a as a team to give us a better chance to win those games in January in the playoffs. And Andy Reid saw it. Jim Harbaugh saw it. Those are those are good coaches. And you and I've nothing wrong with Alex Smith. He is a quality starting quarterback. At one point franchise quarterback for teams, but they decided to upgrade. The Cowboys have never really been that type of franchise where they have a quarterback, but still, hell, look at the Packers. The Packers have had franchise Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like, yeah, the quarterback circle of life is starting to get 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 to the toward its end, near its end. So we better have a, a an answer. We better have a, another quarterback waiting in the wings. The heir apparent, and they've done it now twice in a row. That's that's a good organizational habit. So the Cowboys' bad organizational habit has come back to haunt them. If what you're saying is correct, that Dak is just not a championship quarterback, never will be. They should have noticed that two playoffs ago and should have already been making the necessary moves to replace him. They have not. Well, I mean, I just think it's uh, everything you said is right. And it all stems from Jerry Jones. I mean, there's reading this is 27 years old, not just five with Mike McCarthy, but you know, and, and Jerry has stuck Mike McCarthy with the DAC issue. They, the ones that invested in him. And again, it's not, he's a good player, but he is Alex Smith. Guess what their, the Alex Smith's playoff record is two and five. What's Dak's two and five. This is what they are. There's a ceiling to these quarterbacks, and you're exactly right. The way you put it just now is when, when the Chiefs had Andy Reid and Alex Smith, they still drafted and traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. They knew. Because they knew there was a ceiling there. The Cowboys, they haven't done that. Now, maybe the Trey Lance thing turns out to be a, a revelation, big picture. I doubt it, but we'll see. At least that was a move they made that kind of kind of seems like a good organizational trait to go get a quarterback that's got a high ceiling that maybe didn't work out in his first spot. Uh, but either way, you're saddled with this quarterback, which means you're then saddled with the court with the coach who helped develop the offense that got the most out of the quarterback that maybe is possibly there. But let's be honest, Rod, whenever you get in the playoffs, you're going to have a coach who doesn't win you mm-hmm. games with scheme and coaching and game planning, right? He doesn't do that for you. So you Sean McVay will do that for you. You don't get a schematic advantage. You don't get a schematic advantage with this coach, yeah. but he does get the most out of your quarterback, and you don't get an advantage at quarterback. You're no. not going very far in January with that with that reality. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, that's just so – Come this time of year, you need a coach or a quarterback to get you over the hump, to get yeah. you where you need to be. To separate. To separate. And they they have neither. Yeah. The quarterback and the, and the coach. But those two are married together. They are. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, like you said, that's I believe the that's key. why, that's the reason the statement was made, that I, I can't move on from this. I, I, I'm, yeah. I've boxed myself in. Yeah, I mean, every organization, I think they have this moment. Nobody's perfect. Guys, nobody, uh, nobody knows the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback. Nobody. 
They, everybody's kind of just throwing blank at the wall and seeing if it sticks, right? You have your traits that you're coveting. Um, hopefully you bring in a quarterback guru who has more of an idea of what he's doing. But there's a great quote from uh, Bill Walsh. He said, very few, very few people know how to coach the, uh, the quarterback position and even fewer know how to evaluate it. Right? Nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback. So you have to give yourself uh, kind of a margin for error there. Right? And you do that by bringing in quarterbacks because you never know which one's going to hit and go, Actually, I didn't. You know, you know, Dak Prescott, the happy accident was going to end up being your franchise quarterback. They didn't know Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant was going to be your franchise quarterback. They thought it was going to be Trey Lance. They made a mistake, a miscalculation, a bad one, a costly one. But they knew Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to get him over the hump. They'd already seen that. All right, and what's the definition of insanity? Repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. They had seen Jimmy Garoppolo on the big stage and went, yeah. Jimmy's not going to win the big game. What are we going to do? Let's just draft the quarterback with a higher ceiling. That's Trey Lance. Did it work? Nope. But they got one in Brock Purdy because what? They have a good organizational habit of drafting quarterbacks. There's a reason Bill Belichick drafted 10 quarterbacks while Tom Brady was his starting quarterback. He kept looking for the next Tom Brady because yeah. he knows, you know what? That was a Forrest Gump. I Forrest Gumped my way into Tom Brady in the sixth round. That was a happy, happy accident. We had no idea he was going to be the GOAT. Nobody knows. Hell, y'all thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be the GOAT when we were playing against him in the Big 12? No. Most of y'all thought he was just a gunslinger with high, uh, with high trade. You guys interviewed uh, – who was his agent? Who's Patrick Mahomes' agent? Lee Steinberg. Before the, before the draft. And he was one saying, actually, nah, man, I'm telling you something special about this kid. At that point, they were talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes will be a – he'll be the third quarterback taken off the board. Maybe he'll work out, but he's too much of a gunslinger, really. End up in the perfect system with Andy Reid. Andy Reid knew that this kid's special. Brett Veach was a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes, and they decided, yeah, we got a playoff quarterback in Alex Smith. He's going to win us double-digit games, but that ain't good enough. Yeah, when you we need a, upside. We got to roll the dice. Yeah, when you have Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, or Dak Prescott, yeah. your regular season quarterbacks become the most important games, they're not going to carry you up over the hump. They're just not. And uh, that's been, there's enough body of work to know this. Uh, and everything yeah. you just said is, is spot on. The Eagles just, did it. The Eagles did David it. Carson I mean, all teams we're talking about did it. The <laughs> Packers are still playing. Yeah. Uh, you, gave, you gave the 49ers example. Uh, they tried with Trey Lance, and it, you know, they, they missed. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's just – Dak Prescott is the root of the problem. The biggest picture problem, the macro problem, the, the current micro problem is Dak. The macro problem is Jerry. Jerry. We know that. Uh, but those things aren't, aren't changing. Now, somebody just texted us and said, uh, everyone says they have to extend Dak, but they don't. Yeah, that would be Jerry admitting we're rebuilding, which you could. No. That, that would be a decision. That goes back to what you said. Jerry's a salesman. How do you sell a rebuild? Jerry can't sell and that. And Jerry's 81 years old. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, it's one of those. Jerry might not survive a rebuild. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to be crabs. I'm not trying to be well, mean. But time. You say, yeah, you're 81 years old. A rebuild could take five, six years potentially. Well, you, you mean, you'd have to absorb, kind of like the Texans did when, when Nick Casario came in. He had to absorb a couple, two, three years of Bill O'Brien's yeah. mess before he could even start the process of the rebuild. And, and because now that's they, what the cap does to you. Yeah, you're right. Now the, the, the window just opened, so they still got probably two more years before you're talking about them getting to a Super Bowl. Right. That's, five, that's four or five years right there, guys. Yeah, it is. That's a rebuild. Cause, that's, cause, that's ahead of schedule. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I mean, as I mentioned with Dak, I mean, the reality is uh, his cap hit is $59.4 His dead cap money oh. right now is $61.9 
Yes, which sir. would mean dead cap no, money. Ain't no getting rid of them. You, no. You, 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 You've you, married yourself yeah, to this player. No doubt. You ain't getting rid of them. Yeah. So that's mismanagement. All right. We'll talk about it more. Rod's got a rant coming up. What are we ranting on today, Rod Babers? Uh, actually, we're going to talk more about the Texans, the only team left in, uh, in Texas in the NFL playoffs. So we'll talk about the Texans and D'Amico Ryans. There's some audio you guys that's have awesome. to hear from D'Amico showing what a great coach this guy is. Uh, we talked about the coaches have to help you separate and elevate in the playoffs. D'Amico Ryans is showing that he's helping well, the, the uh, Texans elevate their play in the playoffs. This guy's he's unbelievable. He's a coaching phenom. Yeah, we'll have that coming. Also, more on the Rodney Terry situation last night. He was not happy with the post-game handshake after his team played a disappointing last 10 minutes of the game. We'll get to both sides of it. Rodney Terry and Johnny Dawkins, the head coach of Central Florida. That's all part of a busy Thursday. And hook him up with Ian Rod B. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the uh, Texans and D'Amico Ryan's for a second. I hope D'Amico Ryan actually does end up winning uh, Coach of the Year. He may win it, he may not. It still could be him or Kevin Stefanski because I believe that vote is taken after the regular season is over. It doesn't carry on into the playoffs. If it did carry on into the playoffs, I think D'Amico Ryan's would be a uh, he'd be a favorite to win Coach of the Year. But I do think he's one of the front runners to win Coach of the Year. But here's why. Because this is why a lot of people said that D'Amico Ryan's would be a great head coach. Um, is because he is a, you know, he's, he's a truly a teacher of the game, right? He can take the concepts and take the technique and the fundamentals from the practice field, from the game field, and actually uh, apply them in the classroom of the game and even take that classroom to the sideline. Because that classroom is where you uh, learn about the different concepts. You're learning about why the whys of the game, right? Why you're playing this technique, why this leverage, why this alignment uh, in this certain situation, in this circumstance. And what you want to be able to do is take that classroom, that very calm classroom atmosphere where you're breaking down the game, you're watching film, um, guys are asking questions, uh, other players are contributing to the, the, uh, the discourse and the overall overall kind of a conversation that happens, the think tank that happens in those position rooms um, while you're exploring the, the position, exploring coverages and present and exploring, you know, uh, pressure packages, all those different things. Cause I've been a part of those at the college and the NFL level. And it is, it almost works like a study group at times right? <laughs> can turn into a study group in there where everybody's contributing to to the conversation. And you really are going down the rabbit hole of, you know, the classroom element and being a student of the game. And D'Amico Ryans can do that. He can take that classroom and apply it to the sideline, the chaos of the sideline. And with all the, you know, chaos happening around you, all the excitement happening around you, be able to take a guy or a couple of guys and be able to transport them to the classroom while on the sideline for that 30 to 45 seconds (laughs) so that y'all can actually solve a problem on the field, a schematic issue or a technique, technique issue. So this first clip is D'Amico Ryan on the sideline. D'Amico Ryan's during that Browns game, and he's talking to his linebacker, Christian Harris, who ends up getting the pick six on Joe Flacco. And this is before the pick six, and this is via NFL Films. Here's D'Amico Ryan's uh, coaching, taking that classroom to the sideline. You just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Play the quarterback as soon as he snap, step in front of it, go pick. Yes, sir. Tell you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. 
Fourth and two from the Browns 33. It's picked off. Here we go to the left 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. Second pick six of the game. Zone defense. So here's Harris. His eyes are on the quarterback. And at the last minute, he breaks underneath in front of the intended target, Harrison Bryant. Had to run you over. I know. I'm sorry, baby. It's uh, you know it's exciting out here. I don't want to hurt. I got you. Yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> sorry. You just hang. Yeah. Uh, and that's and here's D'Amico because afterwards he was asked about it because it became such a big deal that he essentially foreshadowed <laughs> and was prophetic in his uh, coaching critique of Christian Harris. Here is D'Amico Ryan's after the game talking about how proud he was of Christian Harris for uh, being coachable. Everything. It's. Um... What I truly believe in, my philosophy of coaching, it's all about, you know, it's all about developing young hey, men Ty, and you to the, see, um... you know, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all pretty from the start, but you to see a guy like Christian grow throughout the entire year, to see him have that same play a couple of weeks ago versus the Titans, right? And we're able to kind of correct it and, hey, this time it just makes sure you step in front. And to see that moment just happening as a teacher, as a coach, there's no prouder moment when you see a young man step in and make that play, take the coaching point to heart and actually execute it the proper way and for him to make the biggest play of his career. And I'm so excited for Christian, so proud of him, right, for just making a big play. And it's, and it's, I tell guys, it's not when you try to chase big plays, like they don't happen. Everything. It's um, what I truly believe in, my right, philosophy. Thanks, Ty. Uh, and that's D'Amico Ryan. I mean, it, and it makes sense, too, because, you know, D'Amico, even when he was with the Texas, there's a lot of stories. I remember Matt Schaub telling the story of how annoying he thought D'Amico Ryan's was because every like time he sat down for lunch or after every practice, D'Amico Ryan would sit down with him and want to talk about the adjustments, want to talk about the checks and the audibles that the quarterback made, um, the yeah, side adjustments. The quarterback's brain. Yeah, the side adjustments. Somebody also does this, sidebar, Jalen Ford. Yeah, Jalen for Ford's long... big on that. He'll go talk to the quarterbacks after practice. Hey, why did you check to this play? What were you looking at on that play? Were you looking at me? Was I the reason? Was it my alignment? Blah, blah, blah. Students of the game, right? Um, but he's one of those coaches, man, that – and like I said, he was doing this even as a player. He was trying his best to take the game to the classroom as much as he could, and then as a coach, you take that classroom to the sideline, well, and, and then you're still able to teach, just like he did in that clip, in 30 to 40 seconds, hey, uh, a guy being coachable, hey, this is the adjustment, you got it, you got it, you know why we're doing it? Okay, go out there and execute it, beautiful. Well, and think about this, Rod, I mean, for, for folks who don't follow the Texans, Christian Harris is out of Alabama, he was a third-round pick, really talented player, young, yeah. he's only yeah. 22, 23 years old. Uh, but he plays a position that Demico played. So, I mean, he's kind of taking him under his wing to try to – his mm-hmm. problem is coverage. His problem is trusting his eyes. His problem is, you know, all the things you're talking about. And, and to see and, and have him listen, and they missed the play two weeks ago against Tennessee, but this time he hit it. Got it. He, and, and give D'Amico credit knowing that – because that came off of the other pick six. Mm-hmm. And he knew they were going to this umbrella shell defense. And he obviously, from his own film study, knows, knows okay, that. Cleveland's going here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Joe Flacco doesn't even really read anything. No, he just As soon as he it. sees it, he's throwing it. So be ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be ready. We've worked yeah. on this, Christian. <laughs> he's not going to see you. Just well, look at him and then step in front. And it's going to be there. It's going to be there. And so what, what a trust that builds for a player to his coach, oh, too, Rob. no doubt. Because yeah. this, is a, this is, you know, the, the Texans have a lot of young building block players that they mm-hmm. want to grow. 
you know, and this is one of them. I mean, this is a linebacker they took in the third round that they are hoping comes along and becomes one of their best defensive players to go with, you know, the, the Derek Stingleys and the Jalen Petries and the Will Andersons and those guys. And that's what they're trying to build. That's the, the exciting part about the Texans. They got a bunch of dudes 25 and under. They do. Who are all growing up together. And that's the crazy thing about the Texans. Not, you know, I got another clip that I want to get into here uh, in, in regards to the D'Amico Ryan's conversation, which we'll, we'll get back to. But a stat that I thought was interesting about the Texans, since we're talking about them, um, there was a – I think Bill Barnwell did it. He published the snap-weighted age, um, adjusted uh, age for every team. So it's uh, based on snaps that were played more so than anything. Um, so it, they call it snap-weighted age for the full 2023 season. The five oldest teams, New Orleans, Philadelphia, 49ers, Texans, and Bills. Because and it's not the core. It's not the young core because they're all hell. You're gonna have a rookie quarterback. <laughs> all right, he's young. Will Will Anderson, he's young. He's a young core. A lot of those guys are young. But it, in terms of so the veterans that are playing around them, though, all of the the mercenary deals that um, that Nick Casario signed with guys, some of the veterans they brought in on the lines of scrimmage, mostly offensive and defensive lines. That's made the Texans. That's why it's crazy. The Texans are actually one of the older teams. You're looking at snap weighted age uh, is uh, adjustment for uh, the oldest teams in the league. They are one of the older teams. So when they start building um, the lines of scrimmage with younger players, stuff like that, it's going to be amazing how how much they can expand this window, this championship window, yeah. this opportunity. And, they just and that goes before. to Nick Casario and the guys you're speaking of. You know, Dalton Schultz is a veteran player. Veteran Sheldon player. Rankins. Yeah, some Louis receivers Collins, they got in. Shaq Mason they signed yeah. in free agency to play right guard for them. He's been around a while, three different teams. 27.1 is their snap-weighted Jimmy Ward. age. Jimmy Ward, who yeah. we brought in from San Francisco, is a veteran player. But, yes, those, those veterans who are mostly on one-year deals or short-term deals outside of Shaq Mason are surrounded yeah. by this core of young guys. Yeah. Who are, and, they, and that's – that's a good petri dish, Rod, for the young guys it's to really learn from good. the veteran players and then coaches like D'Amico. Because your veterans are most expensive players usually. So he's got the most expensive players on short-term deals. That's right. He's going to make sure he's get the, the, the rookies that they are the core players, foundational players. He's going to get those guys on long-term deals. And those guys have already outperformed their, <laughs> their kind of rookie status. C.J. Stroud has. Will Anderson has. Now those guys, you spent a lot of draft stock on them, a lot of draft capital. So – you know, you expect those guys to be your perennial playmakers and your leaders on the team, but they've had so many other guys who've outperformed their status uh, at their rookie contracts. Like you know, Nico Collins is another one of those guys. Shalen Petrie is another one of those guys. So, and and, and they're hoping, um, as you just pointed out, that Christian Harris is another one of those guys yeah. too. So good. That's just throwing it out. D'Amico Ryan's he's. He is a hell of an on-field coach. He doesn't even really like analytics. I wish I could find that audio of him when he was asked about analytics. I have to go back and try to find it. Um, but he was asked about, hey, do you do any you know, data science, uh, you know, kind of data mining on these teams, trying to figure out trends and patterns and tendencies? And I'm sure they have them on their staff. Every team does. Um, but he said, no, I, just, I, I build my game plans on what the film tells me. That's it. I'm watching film. Film and I and Sky don't lie. I base everything on film. And that's interesting because right now there is a all-time great Houston Texan, maybe the greatest Texan of all time, J.J. Watt, who has I brought this up yesterday, who has essentially declared war on pro football focus. Yeah. He essentially – he is trying to discredit pro football focus uh, as much as he can. And his argument is based on – I brought this up yesterday, the C.J. Stroud um, – the, the C.J. Stroud Jordan Love – 
pro football focus grades from this past weekend. Now, he's, been, he's had a problem with pro football focus before, but now he's got a rallying cry <laughs> for the Texans fans out there because – and I, I really didn't understand it either. I told you guys. I, I brought up the Trevon Diggs example because I understood why the Trevon Diggs pro football focus grade had him 45th out of cornerbacks and it didn't necessarily align with his all-pro status, that 11 interception season, because he takes so many risks and he gambles so much that he violates the rules of coverage. So as a DB, I can see that and tell you that. Uh, with the quarterback grades, I'm not really sure what they're grading the quarterbacks on. Um, and, and J.J. Watt, I don't know if he knows this, he knows how either, but considering that there was basically a doppelganger uh, stat sheet from Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud, nearly identical stats. Um, three touchdowns, zero interceptions for both of them. Was it 157.2 passer rating for both of them? Um, but very different pro football focus grades. A 92.5 for Jordan Love, a 77.8 for C.J. Stroud. And you wonder, well, how the hell can they be so different? J.J. Watt, he went on Pat McAfee and said he has gone as far as to get the coaching grades for players because coaches grade every player in every game too. So he's went and got the coaches grades for players and compared the coaches grades in the NFL to the pro football focus grades. And he said, they're not even in the same ballpark. They're not even in the same universe or neighborhood. So he's, like I said, he's, he's out to go get pro football focus. He does not like their, their pro football focus grades. So one of, and you I think you've had uh, actually Sam on the show, Sam Munson, who yep. does great work for Pro Football Focus, um, he actually went um, on his podcast and he wanted to explain why the, there was such a disparity in the grades between C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love when the stats were nearly identical. Um, Ty, uh, cue this up for us. Here is uh, Sam Munson. I think the biggest, the biggest differences would be starting with C.J. Stroud had a turnover-worthy play in there. Jordan Love did not. We had a dropped interception. Pretty bad decision by Stroud. I think it was early in the game. They also, they both had two big-time throws, so there's not a, right. a huge difference there. I would say that the biggest difference is two of Stroud's three touchdowns were, you know, beyond his control. We had a screen pass, and we had a 76, 77-yard touchdown on a, you know, wide-open pass in the flat. What are the differences? Okay. So there you go. And imagine if him and Nico Collins had connected on that deep ball that they missed out on in the first half. Maybe higher, but both quarterbacks were 16 to 21, 274 yards for Stroud, 272 for Jordan Love, three touchdowns, zero interceptions for both, 157.2 passer rating for both, and yet a drastically different pro football focus grade. 92.5 and a 77.8 for C.J. Stroud. So. JJ um, Watt not happy about that. Texans fans weren't happy, but I remember I said I remember when Cowboys fans were not happy about the Trevon Diggs disrespect. <laughs> so some guys are just outliers. They don't align with the pro football focus grades or their algorithm, whatever it may be. But you know who doesn't give a damn? D'Amico Ryan's. No, he don't give a damn. You know, <laughs> he don't because he don't really care about analytics and that stuff. He goes off the film, and hey, he's gotten them where he's he's gotten so far. He's gotten them this far, so I like it. Well, and that's uh, that's exciting for Texans fans, and and Demico Ryan's a rising star because it's about coaching, Rod. Everybody you played in that league, everybody in that league's really talented. Yep, everybody's really good. They can all run and jump, and you know we're really the best players at their college level. Um, but the guys who stick and stay are the guys like D'Amico Ryan's who study it and they're looking for that edge, uh, looking to get better all the time. And those are the guys that rise. And, uh, you know, that if you're a coach of an organization now, you're trying to get everybody in your organization to think the same way. That's exactly right. Okay, we're all talented here, guys. How are we going to grow? How are we going up? And that's what great coaches do. And it seems like Bobby Sloak's doing a good job on the offensive side with DJ Stroud as well. 
You know, the receivers have performed better than anybody could. Who would expect Nico Collins to be one of the five best receivers in the league this year? I mean, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, who could, no one would have predicted that when the season no, began. nobody. Or, I mean, and guys like Jonathan Grenard and Will Harris have come along. Uh, Will Anderson, I should say. You know, Derek Stingley, who was uh, seen as kind of a questionable pick uh, for the first couple years of his career, is now – or first year of his career and into the second, yeah. is now playing at, a, at an elite level really on well. the corner. He shut down Amari Cooper last week uh, when given the assignment. So, yes, lot to like, a lot of excitement, and uh, – I'll give Nick Casario. It's really a, a you know the chain of command we don't talk about with the Cowboys is the chain of command the Texans have inserted, where they have a general manager who's doing a real good job of building the roster in conjunction with and in alignment with the head coach. The head coach and his staff are doing a good job of developing these players, and then the players are going out and playing with a lot of confidence and improving. So it's fun. What's their chances against the Baltimore Ravens? They're like you know nine and a half, nine point underdog. It's a huge challenge against the league's best team, but it's a great opportunity for this team to uh, take another step forward, even if they lose the game. They're, they're way beyond what anybody could have imagined. Totally agree. And as we said with the Texans, they go into the offseason with the most third most cap space in the league, more draft capital, um, you know, an opportunity to keep getting better. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun mix for sure, uh, concerning mix. By the way, on the Dak Prescott thing, before we get to the timeout, that's good stuff in Rod's rant as always. Somebody did mention, guys, when we were talking about Dak Prescott, you, you kind of have to absorb Dak. I mean, the texture made this point, Rod. You don't have to extend him. You could almost live with the huge cap hit this year because then it drops down to $30 million next year, and then it's nothing after that. Okay. Is it better just to play it out with Dak, kind of like you are with McCarthy, and say, you know what, we'll absorb it this year. And then next year we can either get out from under it or even wait till the following. I know that's not what fans want to hear, but the reality is, is it better to do that or, or, or worse to extend it and make him your quarterback for the next five more years? I don't yeah. know. There's, that's a, that's a, it's a good a, conversation. It's, Yes. Uh, but you don't want an unhappy quarterback because no, uh, you know lame ducking your quarterback is not but good. That, that quarterback's got to perform. Yeah, in the biggest moments. That's true. And if he doesn't, then I don't care if he's angry. I mean, I, just, I need you to be better in January. Unless, I, unless you have a, a plan to move on from him, I wouldn't want him angry. Well, now you got a couple years to make the plan if you're yeah. going to absorb it. I don't. I don't. Look, I'm not. I'm not. Again, there are no. There are no great answers here for no. the Cowboys. That's the problem. Uh, but yes, if Dak is 59 million as a cap hit this year but it drops to 30 the next year and then it's gone, is that better than locking him in for another five or six years? Probably. Those are, those are fair questions no, to have. I totally agree. It is, it, he should have been having this conversation yeah. probably a couple of years ago, actually. Well, and that's why the that sudden departure on Sunday was so shocking. I think, I think Jerry thought and believed that this was the year, based yeah. on the regular season, that this is the year Dak's going to show everybody. I think you're right about that. And we're, we're, we're going to prove that we were right on this, mm -hmm. which is what Jerry's been trying to do for 30 years <laughs> with Jimmy Johnson. Pride prove ego. that he's right. Pride and ego, man. Uh, ego's the yeah. enemy. And uh, it, it, you know, it blew up. It didn't happen. It so did. now you're stuck with it. And what do you do is why Jerry's having these really difficult moments and conversations about the future, whereas in Houston, the future pretty bright right now, uh, without a doubt. All right, we'll come back. Good stuff from Rod and the Rant. Good stuff from you on the text line. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll also pick up some bullish or BS. Got to get back into Rodney Terry and the Longhorns and that uh, really disappointing loss last night. Then what happened after the fact that's become a national conversation and big story on the, uh, the, the interwebs with Rodney Terry going after the players from uh, from Central Florida. We'll get you details on that if you missed it. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Rolling forward. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Time for Bullish or BS. Uh, Rod, while uh, Mike McCarthy, excuse me, while Jerry Jones is issuing a statement on Mike McCarthy and that he'd be brought back, 
Texan uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn was interviewing with the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans for their vacant head coaching job. Uh, there were some early links with um, Mike Brable being let go that Dan Quinn was someone they wanted to talk to. Are you bullish or BS on Dan Quinn potentially to Tennessee? Mm, I don't know if that's a, a great – I mean, that's like a, that's like a rebuild almost in Tennessee happening. Right, you know, look at everything happening in Tennessee. They don't maybe Will Levis is your quarterback of the future? Do they like Will Levis that much? Well, they I think they saw enough to think he could be. Uh, but See, my thing was I I don't want to be handcuffed to what you think the quarterback of the future is unless I've seen him and I like him. And you're Dan Quinn. And I'm Dan Quinn, right? And, and you no, know, maybe they'll let you go draft your own quarterback. If you want to? I mean, he's got Dan Quinn is gonna interview, like you said, with the Tennessee Titans, but he's scheduled an interview with the Titans and the Panthers today. Um, the Seahawks and the Commanders. Actually, that was yesterday. Seahawks and the Commanders are today, and the Chargers on Friday. That's a lot. I mean, that's a that's that's a hell of a, hell of a dancing card. Yeah. I'm, I, if I'm offered another job, I may take it, but he may not be. I do think this is the year he leaves, though. This is the year he takes one of to. these jobs. The yeah. cycle will slow down. Uh, and well, he could of, be losing some of his luster too. Well, look, can I say this? Because I just got this tweet from somebody that uh, tweeted at me. It says, according to Aaron Hogan, Dak Prescott should have thrown for 600 yards and 50 touchdowns. Can't believe he didn't do that. Who needs defense? Well, look, if you can actually watch that game on, sat on Sunday and, and look at Dak Prescott's stats when it was 27 to nothing, and he hadn't thrown for 100 yards, he had thrown two interceptions that led to 14 points. Do not come at me with the 400-yard, three, three-touchdown performance. We all saw the game. That was garbage time. And the, I mean, the, the Green Bay Packers, for crying out loud, put their backup quarterback on the field and backup players in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they did. Do not come at defending Dak. His, his stats when it mattered, before it was 27 to nothing, were garbage. Mm. You can't fall behind 27 to nothing in a playoff game, Rod. Nice and then you did. can't come back and throw stats at me. That he, he somehow had a good game. He did not. You watched it. I watched it. Do not. He patted his stats against blanket, I mean, umbrella coverage when the Packers were trying to get out of there with a win and not get anybody hurt. Come I, on. I don't disagree with that, I, but I, I, I understand the defense. Oh. It was, it, it was disappointing, I will say that. And Dan Quinn's defense usually shows up, at least keeps you in the game for a while, uh, gives you a chance. That defense was outclassed outcoached. I don't know if Dan Quinn was distracted by the job interviews and everything happening, but that was a bad defensive game plan. And I think a lot of it is he's hamstrung because of the injuries at linebacker, Leighton Van Der Esch, DeMarvion Overshone. Um, you know, they're forced to play a lot of sub packages. I, and and I, I think Dan Quinn likes playing a lot of sub packages, but now he has to do it out of necessity. And you can tell teams are just running power. At, at, at the Cowboys because the Cowboys are undersized. They're already a hybrid multiple defense um, that likes to play a lot of dime packages and three safeties out there. Um, and some teams are deciding the counter to that is just to run power right up, right at them. And they don't have a lot of really good run defenders. Their best run defenders, Leighton Vander Esch being one of them, out, and then Jonathan Hankins is the other one. But Jonathan Hankins can't do it on his own. They don't have a lot of elite run defenders that's why they were exploited and exposed. 100%. But look, in, in these conversations, Rod, and in life, multiple statements can be true. Yeah. It's not an either-or conversation. The Dan Quinn's defense was bad. It was bad. Mike McCarthy was bad. It was. Dak Prescott was bad. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't say one without the other. They were all bad. It was a wholesale collapse. And any, did, anything, did Dak Prescott do anything? Because here's what Jerry Jones said yesterday in the statement. Our team is very close to achieving our goals. Do you oh. believe that? Are you bullish on that? No, that's BS, man. Yeah. 
That's BS. Do you have any more confidence now that, J- that Dak's going to rise up and be a really good January quarterback than you ever have? No. No, you're regressing, man. You've and lost no, the wild and, card and, round. And, and they all own it. They never cross the board. But, you know, multiple things can be true, and multiple statements can be true. Dak was bad. bad. Dak was a big part of the reason why you were down four touchdowns at home. Big part. His two interceptions led to 14 points directly. Yeah. Uh, and the interception before the half, there was the pick six. It was a horrible Inexcusable. throw. That was the one. If you score a touchdown there, Ron, and you make it 20 to 7, it's actually a decent – you can maybe get back in the game and you could defend Dak a little bit uh, because you were getting the ball coming out of half. None of that happened. You were down 48 to 16 at home to the youngest team in the playoffs. Yeah, first time uh, starting quarterback in the playoffs. That's indefensible. <laughs> hey, I'll ask you and Ty this. Ty, you were at the basketball game last night, and we'll get into this Rodney Terry – uh, controversy that's come out of the loss last night, but uh, is there any part of you that, from what you've seen to this point through 17, 18 games, that this is an NCAA tournament team that the Longhorns have, guys? Bullish or BS? This team can make the NCAA tournament. Maybe as like an 11 seed, last four in kind of situation. As we sit here on January 18th, Rod, they have zero quad one wins. Yeah. Zero. Rodney Terry's right a great guy, but I don't think he's that guy. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, right now, they don't lack a tournament team, period. Especially no. coming out of the Big 12. I won't weigh in on Rodney. Big picture, I will say this feels like a flawed roster they've built. That's got uh, – I know what the, identity, the vision was for it, but you're, you don't have good defenders. you got small backcourt, big frontcourt. Um, Dylan Mitchell still can't stretch the floor, and you know, he's kind of a problem when he's on the floor because he can't shoot. Yep. Well, that's a problem. They got they got a lot of problems. They got a lot of problems. <laughs> they and, need to solve. And, and how about this? Their pri- I mean, this team has way too many turnovers, but their primary ball handlers, are ball handlers, Max Asmus and Tyrese Hunter, are the ones that turn it over the most. Mm. Yeah, and Max Asmus can't defend. Nope. Who, where the do they go when they need a big buckets last night? Right at him. Yeah, you're right. And then Texas is jacking up threes. Yeah. So at the end of the game, nobody attacking the basket. You mean? Your two primary ball handlers are Max Asmus and Tyrese Hunter. They lead the team by a lot in turnovers. Now, again, they have the ball the most, but still, that yeah, those two are why you're a turnover-prone team. They got to do better. Yeah, they don't. I'm going to say not right now. They don't look like a tournament team at this point. Uh, we'll pick it up. What can change? How can they change it? We'll hear from Rodney Terry and his frustration with Central Florida lacking sportsmanship last night. 